Lord, we welcome you into our midst. We thank you for this beautiful day you have given us, another day in our lives to worship you, to praise you, to honor you. Lord, we are a needy group of people. Some of us with heavy hearts this morning. Lord, because of pain, chronic pain in their lives. Some of us who have who are grieving because of a loss of a loved one. Some of us in agony because of the way our children have been estranged, addicted to drugs and alcohol and Lord, things that devastate our hearts. God, we thank you that Isaiah said, Rend open the heavens, O God, and come down so that the mountains may tremble. Mountains of Bashan, mountains which are strongholds of the enemy, mountains of Moab, mountains of Edom. Lord, I pray, thank you. Hosanna, we sang this morning, believing that you are here in this place to destroy the mountains of anxiety and fear and apprehension and uncertainty in our lives and to give us the hope this morning that Easter brings to us. Oh Lord, we take it all in. Jesus, we exalt you in our midst. We acknowledge your presence. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Rend opening our hearts. We ask you to come in. We bear our souls. We bear our spirit, O God. Heal us. Restore us. Empower us today. And for those especially who are here because they do not fully trust in you, but somebody has invited them into this space. Oh God, this is the moment for their lives. Speak, Lord. And we will listen and obey in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. It is so good to be here. I want to welcome those who are watching online. We want to welcome you into this gathering where the presence of God is. And I believe that God is willing to speak to us. If you have any ounce of expectation, God is willing to talk. He's willing to lift that burden. He's willing to do exceedingly more than what you can ask or imagine. Thank you for worship team for leading us into his presence. We have entered the gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise for what he has done in our lives. And he's about to usher us into the holy place where there is the showbread and the candlesticks. Where eyes could be illumined to the word of God, which the Bible says is alive and it can change. We're talking about change makers, difference makers. I really want to thank Pastor Marty and Pastor Don for giving me this opportunity to part, be part of this team. And I'm, I'm beginning to enjoy uh, meeting people, uh, meeting many of you. Several of you have prayed for us and we are so grateful for your prayers. We are settled here. But if you're praying for us to adjust to New Jersey, please don't do that. 
because I think every time you do that, God seems to be dumping more snow to show us what New Jersey is like. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm so grateful that spring is here. The pink shirt is on to remind us. And the bunnies are around. We are in a series called Develop. Develop simply means grow up, not in a condescending way, growing up. When I grow up, I want to be and become like a little child. And that should be the goal carrying the weight of an adult, but but being a child, tender in heart, innocent, looking up to the father and saying, Dad, I need, hold my hands, accept me. So interesting, I I read this morning, it says in Hebrews, I'm reading through Hebrews, and I'm obsessed with tabernacle and tabernacling that God does, and that's why we want to speak, we want to be in that moment here, tabernacled in God's presence. It says in Hebrews chapter 13 that Jesus died outside of the city to make us holy. I want to be holy. You're looking at a flawed man. The staff here know very well. My, I don't know if my family is here this morning. Yeah, they're here. My girls are here. Uh, they know that I'm a flawed man. But I pursue holiness. Because he accepts us, not because of our own merits, not what we have done, not our rituals, not our works that we do, but he accepts us because of who he is. He looked into Jerusalem as he marched in, as he was paraded on a donkey. He looked at Jerusalem and said, Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you. That's his heart. He longs to gather us. And so, if you are uh, willing to open your arms, and He will come and embrace you this morning to heal those bleeding hearts that, that you're trying to cover up. You don't have to. We're growing up. God is growing us up to be difference makers. And you can be one. Because I have this hunch that every one of us here have an innate desire to make a difference. That's why we educate ourselves. That's why we want our children to, edu- to be educated. We ask them to pursue a career, a career so that they can make a mark. So that we can feel significant in, among the masses and masses of people, billions of people around. We want to feel, hey, I'm, I'm out here. Listen, look at me. But there is something in us that, that wants to make a difference. Several years ago, maybe 20 years ago, I was in a funeral because a young man, 19-year-old man, South Asian background, shot himself because he was disillusioned with his life. Maybe he had some depression. His parents were both physicians. I was counseling them and I told them, but they they didn't think that their son was depressed. He shot himself and at the funeral I saw hundreds of young people. This was in Chicago. And God impressed on our hearts, who's going to reach them? 
My wife and I prayed about it and we felt that God wanted to use us to make a difference in their lives. So we moved from Hyde Park, the campus of University of Chicago, a great place to be in, uh, where I really grew um, in, in my thinking, being around those smart kids. We moved to this place to start a cafe church. This is in 2000, year 2000. A cafe church, and I was ridiculed for that. Cafe church? We, we got two strip malls, and we cut the wall between, and we started this, this Friday night coffee house, and, and then started reaching people. Several, several people, young people came to know Jesus Christ, were baptized, including some of the, some of the Hindus who were in that strip mall. God helped us raise probably over $200,000 to sustain that ministry for, for several years. Why did we do that? Because somewhere deep inside I thought God wanted to use us to make a difference in the lives of these kids. And he loved them. Several years later, God prompted our hearts again one, 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 one time when we were visiting my wife's country, Sri Lanka, we heard about the children who were being used as human shields to fight a war, a, ter- a terrorist war, a civil war, 30-year-old war. They were used as human shields, and we felt deeply inside that we should do something about it. We came back and we, we went to the CMA, the denomination we were part of, and they helped us. At the same time, God raised another man. I don't know if he's watching this morning, Dan, from Minneapolis, who had a small business who was stirred in his heart to give money towards this cause so that we can go and reach some kids in Sri Lanka. He gave initially $50,000. He was a small businessman. But God used that as, I, as we went moving 10,000 miles from Chicago to Sri Lanka with our two kids. And then stepping into a city that was raging in war. And every other week I would, I would go in a small plane landing on a Sri Lankan Air Force trip and stepping into roads that were fully mined. And I used to think in my heart, God, give me an opportunity to see my family again. And going into these refugee camps, we established community centers where kids, nearly 2,000 of them from Hindu backgrounds came to know Jesus Christ because somebody was willing to go. Because we believed in our heart that God wants to use us to make a difference, especially for eternity. Fifteen years, the projects are still going on. It's five churches now with several hundreds of families from Hindu backgrounds who have come and who worship. And every time I go and worship with them, they inspire me not to become apathetic. This morning, looking into your eyes, I know that you have a passion to make a difference. Because God has wired us to be difference makers. We see that all over in the scripture. So the big idea that I want to talk about this morning. 
Young people, if you are listening this morning, you are a change maker. You are culture creators. You create culture. You're not passive recipients of cultures that, that are driven by Hollywood and media handed to you. You construct cult- cultures. You design cultures. You are architects of culture that you want to be. Making a difference. Standing against the tide. Swimming upstream. Never go with the flow. Stand for the truth that you have found if you have found in Jesus Christ. And you will stand out. Growing up, I had an idol. He was my heartthrob (laughs) in the 80s. He penned a song like this. I'm going to make a change for once in my life. It's going to feel really good. Going to make a difference. Going to make it right. As I turn up the collar on my favorite winter coat, this wind is blowing my mind. I see the kids in the street with not enough to eat. Who am I to be blind, pretending not to see their needs? A summer disregard, a broken bottle top. And a one man's soul, they follow each other on the wind, you know, because they got to go nowhere to go. That's why I want you to know I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. No message could have been any clearer. If you want to make a world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. I've been a victim of selfish kind of love. It's time that I realize that there are some with no home. Not a nickel to loan. Could it be really me pretending that they are not alone? A willow deeply scarred, somebody's broken heart. A washed out dream. They follow the pattern of the wind, you see. Because they got no place to go, to be. That's why I'm starting with me. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. There is something inside of us to be change makers. Maybe you are here and you think, that's not me. I'm not educated enough. I'm not gifted enough. I don't have enough wealth. I don't even have good looks. How can I make a difference? You're wrong. (laughs) Because there is a God who has written history because of change makers. Because His one desire is to transform communities. So that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why you showed up here. Because somebody made a, a difference in your life. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm here. My big idea this morning, God uses people to make a difference in the world. How does he use us? You look at the history. You look at biblical history. In the Old Testament, God raised up men. Men who were not giants. Men who were just like you and me. Men and women. Men are mentioned. Abraham. Patriarchs. Abraham. Family leaders. Clan leaders. Abraham who stepped out in faith. 
Jacob, Isaac, Moses, um, Joseph. People who made a difference. And Joseph was successful. Why? Because the Lord was present with him. He was a difference maker. He raised a priest like Samuel, who spoke God's word. Anointed king. Kings were anointed. Difference makers. David, Josiah. Judges were raised. Gideon, Samson, to make a difference in a world that was going astray. Jesus was the greatest difference maker that the world will ever know. He embodied, he modeled for us what a difference maker can be. And he's, he said, I will pour my spirit upon you and greater things that you will do in my name. If you follow me, if you stay close to me. In the New Testament, we find change makers, difference makers. They were called apostles, fishermen, people from Nazareth. What good can come out of them? People who had no education. They were taken by God and used as instruments in the hand of God to make a difference. And then the followers of Christ, people who were willing to die for themselves, their fellowship was exchanging prayers about their children being eaten by lions. Not just food. <laughs> Not just songs, not just pleasantries. They were talking about, my son was a martyr today in front of Nero. That was the fellowship that they shared in. They were difference makers. You can be that this morning. Because one thing that was common to all of them were that they were all anointed by the Holy Spirit. Anoint simply means to paint, to rub, to massage, to immerse, to soak. And God symbolically used anointing oil. He, he said, build me a tabernacle. He said to Moses, I have chosen a people for myself who will represent me to the nations of this world. And I'm going to take you from slavery and send you to the promised land where you shall be free to live for me, to be a witness. But I'm going to travel with you as you make this journey from slavery to freedom. So build me an ark, build me a tabernacle, build me a tent. And when you move, I will move with you. When you camp, I will camp with you as a pillar of cloud during day and pillar of fire by night. I will protect you because I want to dwell with you. Tabernacle simply means dwelling, the dwelling place of God. God chooses to dwell with unholy people. And he did that. But he said, as you build the tabernacle, I want you to prepare an anointing oil. Because this is going to be symbolic of my spirit that's going to come upon these artifacts. And I'm going to make them holy, consecrated, decorated, celebrated, and devoted. 
And so Moses prepared everything and we read that scripture in Exodus chapter 30. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the following fine spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much of fragrant cinnamon, 250 shekels of fragrant cane, 500 shekels of cassia, all according to the sanctuary shekel, and a hen of olive oil. That's four liters. Make these into sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer. It will be sacred anointing oil. Then use it to anoint the tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the table, the utensils, the articles, the lampstand, its accessories, and the altar of burnt offering, and all its utensils. You shall then consecrate them so that they will be most holy. And whatever touches them will become holy. Anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them so they may serve me as priests. Say to them, this is the sacred anointing oil. God asks Moses to prepare these five ingredients, spices that he asked to take. And I I don't think it's casual. I don't think God was deliberate. I think so in picking up the spices and, and creating this anointing oil, this, this, this fragrant oil. I think it's talking about the nature and character of the Holy Spirit. Who is God, the Holy Spirit? And so I, I, this is really, you, you won't find this in any commentary. This is not from any commentary. This has come through my personal study. So I'm just placing it to you as an illustration to probably reflect on who God the Holy Spirit is. He's not mysterious. The Trinity is, but He, he, he can be known. He can be experienced. You can feel the presence of God. But he has a nature in how he impacts our lives. And that's what I want to bring, an analogy to show that when God asked Moses to prepare these, he said, take 500 shekels, about 12 pounds of myrrh. Myrrh is grown, is taken from the bark of a tree. It is like a rubber resin that flows from the bark of a tree. It is collected and dried. That's a tree. It's largely found in the Middle East. Myrrh was used as, as an analgesic to ease pain. Like how we take our Tylenol and, 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 and Advil and Aleve to alleviate pain. Myrrh in those days was used to numb pain. Not only that, to preserve to mummify bodies because I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> but it was used to, 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 to alleviate pain, to ease pain. And, and Jesus is offered, Mark 15 and 23 says, Jesus is offered myrrh mixed with wine to numb his pain just before he went to the cross and he refused that because he wanted to feel the extent of the pain. And this morning, there are people in this place who, are ha- who have pain in their hearts. 
Pain is a universal existential experience that we all face, Hindu, Muslim, Buddhist, atheist, Christians. No matter if you're born, you experience pain. Physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain. And when we experience physical pain, like I have throat pain right now, I took Advil to relieve that pain. What do you do when you have emotional pain? The natural thing that people do is to look for alcohol and, and drugs and opioids, as we see that is so prevalent, to numb that pain. But the Bible reminds us, for those who know Jesus Christ, He is the Comforter who comes alongside of us. The Holy Spirit who brings Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of the Almighty God. Having received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit has poured it upon us. That the Jesus you know is because of His Spirit who has come. The heavens have been opened and God's Spirit has been poured out. He is the God on earth. We acknowledge you, Holy Spirit, right now. You are in our midst. We can't see you. But you are working in the hearts of people who are in pain. If you would open your hearts, He will relieve you. Pain due to a loss. I remember in 94 was a very painful year for us. I lost my God, Godfather. And then two months later, my grandfather passed away. Two months later, my, mother's, uh, my uh, wife's mother passed away. Two months later, who was only 58 years old. Two months after that, my 49-year-old uncle passed away. And then two months later, my dad passed away, who was 63. And it was a painful year. Through all that losses, I still remember what, rem- what reminds in my, in my heart is the presence of God that, that soothed me, that helped me through those moments. And six, seven months ago, my mother passed away, and it's still painful out there. But every time I feel the pain, I turn to God and say, God, fill me with your myrrh, ease my pain. And He does. He does. Because Jesus said, It's better that I go away because I will send you another comforter. You know the word another doesn't mean another of a different kind. Allos, the word literally means another of the same kind. Just like me, if you think I'm the comforter, I'm going to send you another comforter just like me. Who will ease you, a very present help in the time of your trouble. A God who said, I will never leave you as an orphan in the storms of life. I am a storm walker. I will come into the midst of the storm. There is no problem too big that I cannot handle. And say, oh, this, is, this one I can't handle. Mm. No, he, he walks into that. And he has a redemptive touch on your problem. Satan leaves a fingerprint of destruction and death. Not because he is powerful. He's not equal to God. I won't even talk about him. He's an angel thrown away. But he comes to steal and to leave marks of destruction in schools and using young people's lives 
And we have to stand against those forces of darkness that demons use. For we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. Pain. When you are relieved from pain, you become a comforter. Paul said that in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. Praise be to God, the Fa- God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. A comforted person is used mightily by God, just as God is using George and Wanda Stain in the grief ministry here. Do you know, hundreds of people from this community, they don't come to this church, but they come to be comforted, not through some psychological help, They are comforted because of the presence of God the Holy Spirit in the life of George and Wanda. Through the pain that they went through losing their son. Are you a comforted person? If you are, you can can be used by God. If you are not, you can receive the comfort so that you can make a difference in the lives of those around you this week. The second thing that God asked Moses to take was cinnamon. Everyone hopefully got one of your cinnamon sticks. This is all the way from Sri Lanka. I paid a lot of money to get this imported. Don't throw it away. This is a reminder that you are the fragrance of Jesus Christ. Cinnamon is something that that was used is taken from the bark of a tree largely grown in Sri Lanka. There is enough research, actually my friend did, to show that Queen of Sheba and Solomon traded cinnamon from Sri Lanka. But this cinnamon is added to food to enhance flavor. You take a bland flour and take it and bake it with cinnamon into cinnamon rolls and cinnamon buns and, and cinnamon tea. and Cinnamon adds flavor to blandness. It was used, it is constantly used in curries to remove the stench of the meat, the gamey taste. It was used supposedly around the altar to remove the stench of animals that were slaughtered there. Cinnamon has more uses, medicinal uses, but but for, for this analogy, I want to say that cinnamon enhances fragrance, and Christian life is meant to be like that. Why? Because there is a smell of destruction, there is a smell of decaying lives, and Paul says, The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and to us spreads and and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. For we are God's aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are smell of death and to the other the fragrance of life. Our life becomes a fragrance If you rub this 
Right now, you will feel and you smell it. You will feel the, the aroma of cinnamon. As you rub the shoulders of people tomorrow at the place of your work, will they smell the fragrance of Christ? Because of your truthfulness, because of your integrity, because of your moral standing, because of the values that are implanted in you, your brokenness and yet the joy in the midst of pain, is the fragrance of Christ coming through? We really hope so. So every, t- every day as you place this in, in your workspace, I'm, I ask you to remember that you are the fragrance of, of Jesus Christ. Our lives become the translation of truth that people will ever see and hear. They may never read a scripture. They may know, never know the truths about Jesus Christ. But our life in how we live become the translation of those truths as acts of love. Your integrity, your honesty, your patience, your self-control, your love for others can make a big difference in someone's lives this week. The third ingredient that God asked Moses to take was Cain. Cain is another plant. It's a weed. The Hebrew word is cannabis. Boys. Literally cannabis family. Not marijuana. But from the same family was used in those days as something to settle the stomach something to create an appetite something to create a sense of well-being almost a kick it ignites something within you and the Holy Spirit is like that when he comes upon us, when he comes into our lives, and when he floods our soul, he arouses a passion for God. Where apathy rules and reigns. Because we get complacent so easily. Because as, as, as Pastor Javis preached the other day, we are comfort creatures. And our tendency is to comfort ourselves and we become complacent and and as, as aging happens, we apathy begins to settle in. And we need the Holy Spirit to fire our bellies once again. Your passion is the fire in the belly that makes you excellent and separates you from mediocrity. That's the difference. Romans, verse, Romans chapter 8 and verse 5 says, Those who live according to sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The Holy Spirit gives us new passions, new appetite for God. If there's any way you want to draw closer to God, the only way is to be filled by His Spirit so that you can make a difference in the lives of others. Your passion for God, the internal fire that motivates you, can make a difference in somebody's life today. 
the fourth ingredient that God asked Moses to take was cassia. Cassia is another plant. Cassia senna. Senna, it, it's, it's from the root of a plant that was used in those days as a purgative, as a laxative, something to cleanse our bowels. Even it's used today, you can go and buy senna cart, which is something to, we can use to relieve ourselves from the constipated system. It's bad when we have constipation. <laughs> If we don't eliminate the, those, it'll become, it'll make our body toxic. We have ways and means to cleanse our bowels. S- several months ago, my wife and I did a candida cleanse to cleanse us from candida. Refined foods produce buildup of candida in our system and it needs to be cleansed so that your immune system can work well. What do you do when your soul is filled with garbage that we take in from what, from what our eyes see and what our mouths and what our hearts, our jealousy and envy and, and passions that are unholy? It begins to clog us from the connection with God and we need to be daily cleansed, not weekly. A cleansed person is powerfully used by God and that's why when David struggled with guilt and it was not going away. He tried to cover it up so many times. He said, God, unless you cleanse me, this thing is, is before me and it's, it's killing me on the inside. Purge me, O oh God, with hyssop. Hyssop is another herb that was used in those days to cleanse. So it's a play on words there. It was also dipped in blood and that was used to sprinkle things on, all, on the altar to, to make things ceremonially clean. But importantly, he was praying, God, cleanse us. Unless you cleanse, I can't cover it up. I need my sins to be cleansed. God, get rid of this dirt within me. And that's why Paul said like this, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your blamelessness and your purity can make a difference in somebody's life. The last thing that God asked Moses to take was, Olive oil. Olive oil is extracted by crushing of olives. The only way you can extract oil, it's, it's a bit of fruit. It can be used unless it's crushed. The word Gethsemane simply means a place where olives are crushed. That's a place that Jesus walked into. He became a light of the world because he was crushed. A millstone was placed upon him. The millstone that was heavy because of the sins of the world that was placed upon him. And he bore that and said, God, Father, if there be any other way, would you please let me know? Three times he prayed and, and it says, God saw it good to crush him penal substitution. That's 
terrible for human rights advocates. But that's what God did for you and for me. He said, God, I, I don't understand this, but I trust you. Nevertheless, your will be done. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in the moments, in the crossroads of our lives, when we have to make decisions, where there is something inside of us that wants to pursue ourselves for the sake of ourselves. God gives us the ability to make the right choice. The Holy Spirit helps us to yield our lives to Him. Yielding. Your yielded life can make a big difference in the life of your family and in your workplace. When you resolve trust, when you choose to trust in God and His plan for you, your resolve to trust God during those stressful moments will make a difference in somebody's life. So what do you need to do when I'm, I see that my time is up? All you have to do is ask, God, would you fill me? I need your Holy Spirit because I want to make a difference in the places which is most important in my neighborhood and in the places that I work. I want you to use me I want you to fill me. And it's simply by asking. There's nothing special you have to do. You don't have to stand up upside down or pray for 35 days. It's simply asking and receiving. There's a little boy who had candies, who had a lot of marbles. There's a little girl who had candies in her hands. He came up to the girl and said, I'm going to give you all my marbles. Would you give me all your candy? And the girl innocently said, yes, I'll give you all my candies if you would give me all the marbles. The boy thought about it for a little while. He kept a few of the marbles and he gave some of the marbles to her. The girl innocently gave all the candy to him. That night, the girl slept peacefully. The boy was up wondering if the girl had given him all the candies. Have you ever wondered if God is withholding anything from you? Maybe we have not given ourselves fully to Him because He gives us everything that you need for this life. The wisdom, the empowerment to make a difference. That's why Peter said, Add to your faith, knowledge, Add to your knowledge, goodness. Make every effort. Because God has given everything for you to make a difference. Baptism, Luke said, is immersion. I don't have time to describe that. The two ways that God does that is to immerse us. Just as immersing a cloth in a dye, and the in a colored dye and the, and the cloth changes its color because it's fully immersed every strand of its the second word he uses is to clothe yourself from power on high it's like Superman putting on the clothes suddenly Clark becomes a, becomes a powerful agent to, to become a change to make a change Tony Stark becomes the Iron Man suddenly when he puts on that armor. It's like that. 
You put on the armor of God and you feel the power of God that you have. There is no other way that you can make a difference. And so I invite you to take a step to ask God to fill you this morning. And the next step could be inviting a person to, the, to, to Easter service or to Alpha or even more, inviting a person, inviting yourself to be part of our Mount Holly partnership. God is going to use that, that's, that partnership to make a difference in that community. That picture was a picture taken from Lumberton. It's all spice way. Just to remind us that we are the spice of God, that we are the fragrance of God. That God wants to use you. On Good Friday, we're going to have a, a, a service to, to undergird this partnership with prayer, to make a difference in that community. And I invite you to be part of that. Maybe you, maybe you should cultivate a relationship with a person at your workplace this year. Maybe start a lunchtime Bible study. And I close with this illustration. Several years ago, a lady cried out from her heart because of a problem that she was going through. And a pastor's wife reached out to her works, workplace. And there she met Jesus Christ in her lunchtime Bible study. In, and her life changed. And because of that, her family's life changed. And today I am here because of her. Somebody felt the compassion to reach out to somebody else in a strange workplace environment. And you see what God can do when you, when you create the space for God to invade your life and say, God, here am I. And so let us stand together this morning. And if you feel the posture of humility, would you cup your hands this morning and say, God, would you fill me? Would you fill me? It's not what how much of spirit we have. We need more. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this congregation that deeply desires to honor you, that are making such a big difference in this community. Lord, our desire is that this seemingly invisible church huddled during the weekends in this space would emerge would emerge in the marketplaces, in the neighborhoods of the cities that surround this building. God, that you would use them for the glory and honor of your name. That God, the ruins of this city, the ruins that are seen in the homes, as they become the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that they will be repairers and rebuilders of the city around us that this church would become a beacon of hope in this community and we will be careful to give you the praise and glory in Jesus name amen god bless you and go in peace